You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Well, hello again, everyone. This is Doug Thorpe, and you are listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense. We're the show that tries to help you as a business leader find better, more common sense ways to up your game and and improve your effectiveness and influence for the people with you and around you. Today, my guest is going to help us understand the opportunity to maybe hire a fractional COO or even CEO for your business. He's a guy that's been doing that for a while. His name is Ken Paskins. Ken, welcome to the show. Hey, Doug. Thanks. Great to be here. Really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, you bet. And uh, as is a little bit of a tradition here, let's start with you sharing some of your journey to get to where you are now, a little bit about your background and uh, what motivated you to do what you're doing. Yeah, well, it, it all starts at birth, doesn't it? So <laughs> I uh, I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs in, in Indiana. My parents were the type that they put all their money on Red 32 and rolled the dice and Sometimes they made it and money fell out of the skies and sometimes they didn't. They were flat busted. <laughs> so I, I learned a great deal in that environment. And as a kid, I, I remember one time my mom had to come to me and borrow money as a 12-year-old to pay the phone bill. So uh, that made, a, made an impact on me. And I knew I did not want to have the same trajectory that they did and do that to my family. So I uh, I took the corporate route. Uh, and uh, did a lot of growing, and I uh, was very fortunate and managed some PLs up to a half a billion and really large teams of 450. Had a lot of great mentors and coaches, and you know, enrolled in executive programs with some of the software companies I was with, which was very beneficial. But about uh, 10 years ago or so, um, I, got, I got tired of uh, traveling. 150,000 miles a year, uh, like a lot of folks. I was in high tech, specifically software, and decided to drop out of that. And as you'd stated, uh, for some time, I, I was serving as a, uh, a fractional COO and CEO, and it just depended on the situation. Uh, and my kids would ask me what it is I did for a living. And the best way to explain it was I, I was a fixer, right? So I would go into businesses that were struggling, and a lot of times they Honestly, they didn't know what they were struggling with. They just knew that, hey, it's not working. Something doesn't feel right. We're not as profitable. Our vision isn't hitting the way it should. And I would come in and, and assist with that. And after doing that with some time and build, building out that consulting firm, I, I continuously see, saw all these repeating movies over and over and over again, such as poor hiring practices, right? Um, not understanding, you know, the difference between leadership and management, not understanding how to hold people accountable or make decisions with data versus just opinion and gut. And um, and I also just, I, I did some research and, and studies as well. And, you know, the, notice that the first year, 38% of all companies fail. After year five, 50% fail. And looking at my father and a lot of entrepreneurs and CEOs when they start, 50% of all they learn is on the job doing it and teaching themselves all these things, right? So that was the vision for creating the shift spot, and uh, which is a community of experts and other CEOs on a journey to help surround them and help elevate them in their journey and meet them wherever they're at. 
You're on mute, Doug. <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> but the wonders of edit, we'll get that taken care yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As you were describing that, I couldn't help but reflect, and a lot of my listeners have heard me talk about this. In my banking days, I had a lot of client companies that were, uh, at the time, we affectionately called them mom and pop shops yeah, yeah. that um, would hit the, hit the market with a great idea, nice service, good product, whatever. Yep. And they would go on this journey and they would have this kind of sort of giant stair step growth pattern. It, it wasn't a smooth rocket ship right. launch, you know, it was right. a bumpy up and down kind of thing, but they would inevitably hit some level and then there would be this giant invisible wall that would yeah. prevent them from going to the next level after that. Yeah. And it, it, it me as a kind of a constant learner and seeker and uh, a, a desire to find a better way, I, I really, that whole phenomenon bothered me a lot. And I dug into it and studied it. I tried to find the common symptoms on why that existed. And inevitably, it all came back to the owner founder. Amen. Yes. <laughs> and and their yeah. ability to make the pivot, make the shift, yeah. do maybe a mindset change or something to allow the momentum that the company had built to really go to that next level. Right. And honestly, that's why I was intrigued to have you on this show, because often one of the best options an owner can take is to hire somebody senior on their leadership team that is either a really good fixer, doer, chief operating kind of guy, or perhaps yep. even put them in the CEO suite or C. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree hundred percent. And I have a the owners that reach out to us, they, they have some self-awareness, right? They've got some strong emotional intelligence and they know that it's probably a lot to do with them. And a lot of them will tell me in one of the initial conversations, hey, if this is something I'm doing, I need you to be direct and let me know. So they, they almost kind of feel it, right? And it's either, it, it could be tied to lots of different reasons. One, teaching yourself on the job as as my father did and a lot of folks did, but to just the inability to understand how to build the right leadership team so that you can then trust and delegate. And there has to be that trust. A lot of people just say, hey, you got to delegate. Well, you can't do that without trust and you can't do that without building the right leadership team. But a lot of times when I'm when I'm stepping in as, you know, more of the COO, uh, you know, I'll operate more as the advisor and just guiding them and 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 assisting them with a lot of things they haven't seen or whatever before. But but you're you're right on that that uh, ceiling and and quite honestly, I think that ceiling hits at multiple levels. I mean, you know, it even hits at a million dollars. And I know for a lot of your listeners, a lot of your listeners probably think, well, a million might be nothing. But uh, boy, and there's all sorts of stats out there, but the latest one I saw, 17% of all companies even hit a million, which is pretty astounding. So you hit that threshold and then you hit 10 and then you hit 20 and then you just, you go up and you've got to be able to grow and evolve with that business, which not, you know, not just you, but you and your entire leadership team and, and company as a whole. 
Well, it's interesting. We we think in terms putting a legal hat on for a minute, which I'm not, by the way, disclosure, yeah, yeah. disclosure. Um, but we talk a lot about setting up our businesses as separate legal entities, which if you extrapolate that on out in its fullest extent, it means it's going to be a living, breathing being, and it takes on a life of its own. Yes. So the challenge is for the founder that wants to grow this thing, own it and operate it, the question does become, can you think about being a real leader, not just a manager, not just a yeah. task giver and a workload leveler and, and those kinds yeah. of things? And and. You know, there are many, many definitions of what it means to be a leader, but the one that I think really applies here is is that ability to find others and teach them how to lead. And for a business that has hit a number, and I agree with you, the numbers can be all over the board, but what I've experienced is when a company finally does get up to, say, five, seven, maybe the $10 million range, you probably have about 20 people or more on your team. And that is fertile ground for needing to really develop that leadership team that you alluded to. Yeah. Somebody yeah. else has to manage the day-to-day -day with those, that many people. And you as the owner founder really are not that guy that needs to keep, you know, buried in those weeds. Yeah, I, I agree 100 percent. You said a couple of interesting things. You know, one of the things that I think holds owners back sometimes as well is just hiring and putting the right staff around you. Um, sometimes it's it makes them nervous, too. Right. I, I literally have had uh, guys that I've come in and assisted with and I, I've asked them, how did you come up with this business idea? And I've had quite a few founders say this, believe it or not. But uh but uh, they'll say, well, I, I kept getting fired. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I had these ideas and I, I couldn't work for somebody. So I started my own thing as doing something. And then it kind of grew into a company. And then they'll get nervous about hiring, you know, bigger and better people around them too, right? Which can be a huge, huge mistake. And I think it was Lee Iacocca that said it the best, right? And he's like, look, I, I'd rather you know, hire a, uh, a team of giants and then, you know, that are six to 12 inches taller than me and look across as a company of giants rather than a company of midgets. So, you know, make sure that you're always hiring up and trying to do better for yourselves and your business. And another really interesting thing that you put there, and, and I, I tell this to owners all the time, that I think once you get to, boy, I, I haven't really thought about the exact number, but probably ought to say around 10, it, it's no longer your company, right? It's its own living, breathing entity, right? And I'll tell them, it's like, look, what you're going to get from us is what's for the greater good. And that greater good may not be for you sometimes, but the greater good is for the business, being the employees, the customers, which, by the way, is best for you because it's going to pay you the best return. But I think that's different as well. But it does become its own living, you know, breathing organization. So, yeah, it does. And, you know, the uh, uh, many of the things that happen uh, can be driven, uh, especially on the early stage startup. People tend to surround themselves with friends and family. Yeah. 
And yeah. it, it, to your point, the guy that can't keep a job and gets an idea and goes out and starts. And by the way, no disrespect to that guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some would argue that's me, but um, yeah. uh, <clears throat> that was my dad. <laughs> that's, that's another discussion for another day. But yeah. um, the point being that, um, you know, when you surround yourself with friends and family, I, I heard it spoken of on one of my shows a while back. There's a difference between heads and the hats. Yeah. And to run a scalable, growing business, you've got to worry about the hats you need on your team. And if you want to think of it as football or baseball or whatever, you know, you've got hats that need to be filled. But if you've started up by recruiting friends and family, you've got heads around the table, but they're not necessarily the right fits for all the hats you need to fill. Yeah, yeah. I've had those conversations with uh, two CEOs in our community recently. And one person has continually surrounded himself with buddies and friends and all of this, but yet they're not scaling, they're struggling. And I keep asking the question, how long are you going to put up with this? Because until you stop putting up with it, you're going to continue to get the same results, right? And he he has, he has started to realize that. And I, and I complimented him. It's like, look, I really appreciate and, and praise your loyalty and everything. But but quite honestly, it, it it's serving you, right? Because it helps you feel good, right? Where others outside may come in and challenge you, right? So your company is stuck until you figure that out. And then another poor CEO you reminded me of, I actually spoke with this guy yesterday and uh, you know, he, he was telling me I've surrounded, 19 years in business, stuck at 2 million for years and years and years. And he told me, he's like, I've just surrounded myself with C players. Like nobody in my team is, you know, is really that great. And they're all my friends. And I give them an inch, they take two inches, they take three inches. And I was just like, I felt sorry for the guy, but some people don't have it in them and need that additional help to, to elevate. Right. And, you know, unfortunately he's probably going to have to clean house a little bit, but those, those personal dynamics specifically go and start up to, I actually want to grow. And I actually want this to become a business that is a legacy to either exit or sell or whatever down give to family and whatever down the road. You know, I, th I think too few don't put that front and center. Right. And, you know, it, it gets to that old adage about begin with the end in mind. And a lot of times I see that people won't really get into the business with a good visual of where they want to go and what right. a, a longer term plan may be. And one, one last point on that, friends and family, I was facilitating a mastermind a couple of years ago. And one day one of our members came up, he was the owner he had bought this company, so he, he wasn't the founder of it, but he was the owner and operator of it. And um, he said, uh, hey, I've got an issue I want the group to help me with. I'm thinking about rehiring my wife. And everybody <laughs> looked, at him, looked at him and said, what are you talking about? And he said, well, you know, she used to work for me when I first took this business over and, and it, it was a real help during the transition, but then it got a little funky and it wasn't fun to go home and eat dinner. And he said, so we agreed that she was going to leave and stay home and do other things. And, and now a couple of years later, she's bored and wants to do something. So I think I'm going to give her a shot. 
Yeah. And we kind of unilaterally around the table we went, no, don't do that. Yeah. And, and, and what we told him was, you haven't made a case for a need that you've got at the business. Yeah. Yeah. Build the seat first, right? And decide right. what you want. And then obviously, do you have the budget? Can you justify it? And then do it. So agreed. And we told him, if if you can define the need and, and put a ring fence around it that is really specific for what she can contribute, then yeah, go ahead. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. But absent that, just a make work kind of opportunity is bad idea. You're you're yeah. gonna, you're gonna get right back to where you were before you saw that movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I've got to be cautious. I, I work with my spouse, but but she has the skill sets and she's amazing too. And we divide and conquer and she fits that seat. But you know, I, I if if uh you know I've got to look at it, is she the right person for the job? Unfortunately, right? And and as right. soon as she's not, or as soon as I'm not, we're both doing something different, right? We have right. that we have that mutual understanding that the company comes first. So. Well, and as did I, my, my last enterprise type company that I, I ran, had we had about 35 employees and, and my wife was kind of, some would have called her a co-CEO, but the way we agreed to do it, we sat down and we looked at the landscape and we, we drew boxes around everything. Good for you. And we said, you know, this is your box, this is my box, and yep. the agreement was when there's a question or an issue in that box, it's yours or mine. And yep. nobody, we're not going to cross wires on that. Yep. We've done the same thing. And I, I don't care if she's your wife or, or, or whatever you, sh you got to have those barriers and boundaries for any, anyone. So, right. Right. So it, it can work and does work. And even to the point of hiring kids, I, you know, the part of my story is we ended up a, a year and a half into it. We hired our youngest son. He approached us about coming to work. I set him down and I said, there's going to be boxes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And guess what? Yours is going to be way down the chart, you know? Yeah. And it's small. <laughs> and, uh, and I told him, I said, don't test me on this. You're going to regret it. And yeah, because you're not my son, you're an employee. And, yeah. and, uh, um, yeah. you know, he, he took some liberties and I locked him up and I put him on a 30 day probation. And, oh, wow. And, uh, <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> um, That's teaches it teaches. And it really got honest. his attention. And, yeah. and since then, just not to divert here, but he, he's actually followed in my banking footsteps. He's, yeah. he's uh, had a really good career in, in banking, which is what we were doing back at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, talk a little bit more about the um, kind of maybe the transitional aspects of coming in as one of these interim guys or fractional players on a leadership team. What, what do you normally go through with the early stage transition of getting embedded, getting engaged, getting connected? Yeah. So it's about it's a 90 day uh, program, if you will, the very beginning got this thing and I'm actually going to offer this up at the end to your uh, listeners as well uh, as a as a give back but we've got this thing called the gap analysis right and it will run through a ton of different facets of the business from you know things such as do you have financial controls in place and yes or no and sometimes I'll get the question what's what are financial controls literally, literally right 
um, you know, do, uh, what's your employee onboarding to, to systems, right? So across IT, operations, sales, marketing, finance, a bunch of areas. And it really crystallizes and opens up areas of opportunity that could be preventing the, the company from scaling and getting to the next level. And then once that's done, the first 30 days are really just listening, right? And joining in meetings and things that people look at me and go, why are you here? This this is probably below you or shouldn't be here. But I'm really just gathering data and I like to triangulate everything. Then the next 30 days is I'm starting to draw some conclusions. I'm starting to connect some dots. I'm starting to double check some things. And then right after that, you know, going uh, into day 90, sitting down with the the founder, whatever their title is, CEO, owner, you name it, and explaining, hey, here are some of the challenges, right? Here's what I see. Here's what, what surfaced with our analysis, right? By the way, Susie is a cancerous employee. I know you love her. I know you've been, she's been here for 12 years, but here's some of the things she's doing. And then put together what I recommend is that go forward plan, get sign off an agreement, and then go execute, and then it's rinse, repeat. So that that's what, uh, you know, that that's my approach. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, that gap analysis is, is so critical in the in the transition process or, or even just in the solutioning of that challenge we talked about where the owner's scratching their head and saying, I, I, I'm trying everything I know how to do and I can't seem to get this company to up to another level. Right. And inevitably, it's it's a function of certain gaps and blind spots that have evolved. And and not to be critical of the founder, but it's just a, a natural evolution. And, and yeah. for folks listening, I promise you guys, if you've got a business, you got this going on. Yeah, it's yeah. just yeah, uh, it yeah. is the nature of the beast. Yeah. And having that kind of outside new fresh set of eyes to come in and ask some questions, do some probing, do some analysis. And I think the thing we, we've kind of touched on this already, but but the idea is people may have employees that have been with them a while and they've been valuable contributors to the early stage development of the company. But now that the demand is greater, the challenge is bigger, they, again, may not be the head that fits the hat. And yeah. trying to rationalize and justify that is potentially one of the hardest things an owner can can deal with. Yeah. And I, I love the way you highlighted may, right? Because <clears throat> I think too many people say can't, right? So can't go from small company to big company or big company to the small company. I've got a lot of really big company background, but I remember being in in big companies and us acquiring smaller companies and some of the small some of those folks rocketed to the top and some did not, right? And coming from big companies, I've also worked with uh, you know VC firms such as Sequoia Capital, right? I've worked with you know startups, uh, bootstrapped, right? So. Some people are flexible and some people can go down and some people can go up. But so I like how you highlighted that because a lot of people have these thoughts that I can't, my people will never be able to scale. And that's not accurate either. Some can, right? Some can, specifically with coaching or assistance. Well, I've, I've got a hiring guru that uh, uh, 
am a colleague with, and he's got his own firm, and it's targeted at small independent businesses, small to mid-sized. But one of the things he tells these people, he specializes in really specialty hires. Like, for instance, if if an owner says, I'm tired of doing sales, I need to hire a sales manager. Okay, great. Good, Good call, good choice, probably great decision. But let's start talking about who is that guy, and, and again, yeah. what's the job description, and how are you going to define the hat that needs to sit there? And what what my hiring friend says is, if you say you're at three million today and you want to go to five, who are you going to hire? Yeah, you need to hire a guy that knows how to do five. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. You don't want a guy that is doing maybe two, maybe barely three on a good day, you know, right. kind kind of guy, because you need that person if you're going to go add totally new talent to your team. Reach out for the guy that already knows how to do the level you're looking for. Yeah, yeah, I agree and let, with that. Let them come in and join your team and show you how to get there. Yeah, I agree with that. It's a, it's a real stumbling block challenge. And, and I realize in a smaller business, you always have the inevitable cash crunch and you want to make one of these decisions, but it's got a price tag on it. Yeah. And you gulp and swallow and sweat a little bit and say, how am I ever going to pay for this? Right. And right. So it, it does become a, a kind of a challenge for that. Well, um, Ken, talk a little bit about your community. You've alluded to it a couple of times. What's what's going on there? Yes. So the shift spot is is you know as as I had stated earlier, just seeing a lot of these poor owners make the same mistakes over and over. And me telling, look, I've I've seen this movie before, and here's what's going to happen. Here's you know here's why you need to fire this person. It's not getting better, right? But, uh, you know, I, I wanted to do more. And, um, you know, I, I can only in a factual role work with two, you know, three companies at a time, depending on how deeply involved I was. And I wanted to do more. So we formed this company about two years ago. And, you know, it's taken sort of the best in class of all the different support systems out there, being fractional folks like myself, uh, coaches, EO, Vistage, uh, YPO, looked at all those. And, it's an online CEO uh, coaching community, you know, and we surround them with experts, right? So we've got the CMO that came up with the uh, 1877 Cash Now jingle that I'm sure people have heard on TV and who's also involved with the Oprah show. We've got HR experts and others. And uh, we've got 144 events through the year. And we have just like your mastermind on a weekly basis, we have an issues call where they come in and bring their top issues and it's facilitated to come up and solve problems. And then a lot of our, not a lot, all of our content is recorded and it's provided on an app and everything. So if you can't make it, you can watch it later. And it's actually now empowered by AI as well, which is pretty cool. It helps with engagement and everything. So we're, we're excited about that. And I think it's a, a, it's really, you know, my passion because it's a way that I can honestly help, help more business owners and entrepreneurs scale and, you know, stop losing their hair per se. <laughs> It really sounds a little bit like a, uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but kind of a coaching on demand sort of thing. Uh, You've got a framework with content, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that that's that's kind of a nice play, and uh, but you know it, it's it's your your 
you're receiving the expertise, not only from the experts, but other CEOs as well, mm -hmm. right? Have kind of been there, done that. So we've had experience uh, uh, examples where you know, there's this one guy that had 15, 16 different retail stores that sold like uh, um, supplements and, and healthcare products, woo-woo products as they're called. And um, anyways, he was struggling, been in business for 20 years, ha having a cash flow crunch and and nervous that he wasn't getting what he could out of his team and not sure how to attack that. And he's looking at well, what he was calling his first layoff at all times, right? And nobody wants to do that. But, you know, one of the CEOs in the group said, hey, we're looking at cutting, but what about your top line, right? So we all put our heads together and uh, came up with some unique packaging ideas and membership ideas and everything to boost his revenues and roll that out. And uh, to be quite honest, it, it saved him from having to do the, cu the cutbacks and layoffs. So it was, it was great, but that didn't come from an expert. That came from just an, another guy that been there, done that, had that problem himself. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's really great. It's really powerful. Well, it is, it sounds like the classic benefit of being in a peer-to-peer -peer advisory kind of group or people call them masterminds or roundtables yeah. or, yeah. you know, one of those kind of deals. And when you can orchestrate and bring good, like-minded individuals that are approximately the same place in the journey, you know, what my experience has been with roundtables is that if, if, if they're organized in a bit of a shotgun approach, you might have one person sitting at the table that is barely past startup. They, yeah. they might might be positive cash flowing, but then you got the next person at the table that's got that top side of say maybe five million or something, yeah. and their range of concerns and issues are far different than they that, are that they startup are. guys. So yeah, you you've got to be careful about aligning those those players because arguably there's value to be gained but is it consistent enough that they perceive they're getting value out of the group yeah yeah so that, that's why our persona is pretty tight so we work with uh ceos that that have 10 years or experience or less right so they're on the very beginning phases of their journey and uh have 50 employees or less which you know, which quite honestly is a is a large chunk. I mean, ninety eight percent of the U.S. companies are one hundred employees or less, and eighty nine is twenty, right? But we're really trying to make an impact on those small businesses and those uh, CEOs and owners that are looking to mature professionally and 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 hit that growth phase for per se, or have been stuck for some time. So that's where we're focused. Yeah. So, Ken, let's uh, talk about that offering you've got that you want to share with folks. Yeah, yeah. So I, I alluded to or spoke about the uh, the gap analysis that I did as a consultant for years, and we have that uh, at, at the Shift Spot as well. So for your listeners, if they go to theshiftspot.com forward slash gap, and then they can go in there and they can plug in uh, your show, right, uh, as a code, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. We're going to pick two of your listeners, and then we're going to send them the online document. They will fill it out. They will be overwhelmed. I've had some CEOs say, I only know 10% of this stuff, right? And they give up, but don't give up. What we don't know tells us what we need to do, right? 
And then I will sit on a call with him and I will go through it and help him understand some of the areas of opportunity to work on what those impacts could be and kind of map out a strategy for them. And they can engage us however they choose from there. But we're going to do that for two of your listeners. Well, that's great, Ken. Really appreciate that. And how else is the best way to get a hold of you if people are looking for other things? Yeah, just simply go to the shiftspot.com. You've got all of our social feeds there. It's all about me, more than you want to know about me, but it's all there. <laughs> and uh, check us out there. And if you want to even shoot me an email directly, you could do that as well. Ken at the shiftspot.com and happy to, you know, I, I love jumping on the phone with folks, honestly, and just, you know, giving back and, and letting them pick my brain. And I've always taken the approach that, you know, in my younger days, it was sell, sell, sell. But these days it's like, Look, I, I just like helping and giving back, and I know it comes back in spades. So, Agreed, agreed. Well, thank you, Ken, for sitting in and sharing this with us. It, it's really been helpful, and I, I certainly hope it's triggered some thinking in people's minds about what they might need to do next to, yep. to kind of figure out how to bust through that plateau or invisible wall, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Well, thank you, Doug. It's been a real pleasure. You bet. And folks, for those of you who have been listening to this on your favorite streaming channel, we do have a video version of this over on YouTube, channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. And all of those links and that gap analysis giveaway that Ken is graciously offering is going to be available in the show notes. So uh, definitely drop down there and check that out and, and participate in that. It's a, it's a high-value offer that uh, Ken is been so willing to give. And one last time, Ken, thanks for sitting in. Thank you. It's been fun. All right, folks, with that, we're going to sign off, say goodbye, go out there and make it a great day. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.